time now for the WEEI Producers Show on WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Welcome into the WEEI Producer Show right here on Boston Sports Original WEEI. I'm Chris Scheim, joined as always by Ryan Garvin, and today we have a twist. Today we are also joined, Ryan, by the one and only Billy Lanny. Lanny, what's up, Billy Lanny? What's up, boys? How you doing? What's Good. up, man? Good to have you in. Happy to be here. Excited. Lanny will be popping in now with uh, me and Ryan going forward. We will also have another guest popping in with us uh, going forward occasionally. So this is going to be fun. We're going to have a nice little rotation going. It's going to be exceptional. But we got to build the ranks back up. <laughs> exactly. We have uh, we have suffered many many losses. Many losses on this producer many show. For we went that from day. four to two. Uh, very quickly, so we will we will rise to the occasion once again. But I needed to get you guys' immediate reaction because the Herald dropped this absolute bomb of a piece on the New England Patriots. Uh, Andrew Callahan and Karen Garigian did a, a fantastic job on sourcing this and writing this and really kind of laying out the timeline of the disaster that was the New England Patriots. And uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to either of you about this. You know, we've all done it on our individual shows throughout the day. So I wanted to get you guys' take on exactly what this did for you. Did this change your opinion of the Patriots? Did it kind of cement where you already stood? Did it open your eyes to anything new or anything interesting that you you could kind of pull from this article? Uh, Billy, I like, please, man. Take oh, it away. Okay, no, no, I knew the season was a mess. I saw that the season was a mess. This just kind of cemented everything I thought I was seeing this season. You know, it was good to see these quotes. Granted, they're from sources, so we don't know who really they're coming from, but it's it. But confirmed. we can assume who they're coming from. Yeah, we can. Oh, we can always assume. We can assume with everything. True. Yeah, you know. But it's. Uh, I'm. I'm with you. It cemented everything I thought was going on. It just gave me a different perspective of it. But uh, yeah, no, man, it's it's chaos back there. I. Oh my goodness! I when, when I saw that this article existed, I think I read it three times. Well, because the I thing that really catches you too is when they tweeted it out. The quote on the front was literally. I love Belichick, but he effed us. I couldn't have been more hooked. Dysfunctional. I, the word dysfunctional did a huge part of it, too. Yeah. That's another thing that got me into it. Um, I I think one of my, my primary takeaways was that there was a, a lot of the discussion, I think, that we were having publicly as, you know, in sports talk radio and covering this team. I think I was a little more relieved to see that there were some changes trying to be made. Um, excuse me. I really was was discouraged as you would sit and listen week after week and watch the same mistakes and see the same issues and it's the same kind of coach speak and the same kind of excuse making and it's a process and we're not really focused on the results. We're just kind of focused on getting better and it really was getting frustrated. I'm like. Bill Belichick, in theory, is the greatest coach of all time. So how is it possible that he's going to let this settle? And I think the my stark takeaway was that he really wasn't. It was, uh, I feel bad for Matt Patricia. And Joe Judge was a guy that I think really skated a lot of the uh, the slings and arrows that he probably should have been receiving. But it seemed like behind the scenes, uh, Bill Belichick was really uh, not happy with how Joe Judge was um, was trying to handle things. And yet, at the same time, though, you look at this and you look at the timeline of everything, 
And although he wasn't happy with Joe Judge, clearly, he also wasn't happy with the guy Judge was constantly yelling with in Mac Jones because at no point does Belichick in any way support Mac Jones. He doesn't move Joe Judge away from Mac Jones. He doesn't uh, sit them down and figure out their differences. He doesn't even just give Mac the benefit of saying, standing up and saying, when asked three different occasions, once by Chris Curtis on the Greg Hill Show, once by reporters following the Bears game, and once at the end of the season, that Mac Jones is his quarterback. He had not one, not two, but three different opportunities in which he was directly asked if Mac Jones was the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots, and he refused to answer the question. And to to jump on that point, um, when we spoke to Karen Garigian on uh, Thursday, 4.30, you can go back and listen to that, um, one of the things that, that she had mentioned, which was something that you were alluding to, was that Bill Belichick was not really happy with how Mac Jones was handling the the situation. Um, one of the one of the pieces parts of the the article I have high, uh, highlighted here uh, reads: "The seeds of dysfunction were planted in the spring and summer around the time Jones told the media he would teach his new quarterbacks coach Joe Judge the first of multiple comments he made that would irk higher ups." And that was one of these things where I've we've played it. Over and over again, it's super innocuous. And considering Bill O'Brien just made, you know, really went out of his way to praise Mac Jones for helping him learn the Alabama offense, how Mac Jones would make that same point about what he was going to do with Joe Judge would would upset Joe Judge, let alone upset Bill Belichick. I don't understand where Bill really comes off as saying, you're not handling this right. Because if I'm Mac Jones, I'm going, wait, I'm not handling this right. You're not handling any of this right. Look at where we are. It's the spring. It's May. And now we're into, we don't even have basic installs going. And it's the summertime. You have not handled this right. How do you expect me to handle it right? If you, the leader, the number one in this whole operation, don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you mentioned Karen Grigian on with your show. I want to play one cut uh, from her. Uh, that uh, we really liked on the morning show and I think says a lot about this entire process. Uh, here's what Karen Grigian said about kind of how she felt as they got deeper into uh, the sourcing and kind of figuring out all the information involved with this. We wanted to kind of, you know, fill in some missing pieces or try and get a perspective under the hood, so to speak. And it got more and more interesting as we dove into it and the more people we talked to about it. And for an organization that has been historically buttoned up, just having so many kind of want to share and and have other people understand what it was really like was very interesting. Yeah, so the more they dove into it, the more they continued to ask different people, which also, by the way, shows how many different people wanted to talk about this, it got more and more interesting. Like, there was a clear, clear divide here between Bill Belichick and the offensive players in the locker room. And it started very early, too. Like, oh, it, absolutely. It, it started before the, it started well before the season did. It started in the summer. Like, even in late spring. It sounded like the benefit of the doubt was completely out the window before the re- the preseason started. Yeah, I could see the players being upset because you were bringing these two guys in and they 
dumbed things down. You know what I mean? The players had 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 a, had a plan. They planned. The players had this the 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 playbook that they had, and then you bring in these two guys to take over a job and just to benefit them. You hurt the players by dumbing everything down and basically like, hey, here's what you did last year. Now we're going to do it this year when the year before was not bad. And and, and even it's not even to, to benefit those guys. It's to benefit Bill Belichick because he didn't have to pay Matt Patricia very much because he was still getting paid by the Detroit Lions. And I think the same with Joe Judge. Like, they're just cheap options. But the, the simplification of the offense r- did stand to benefit, I mean, at least in the beginning, uh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Again, if you haven't read this Herald piece, like, I, please, I, please. I, I, I honestly believe that this is the most significant piece of reporting on the Patriots since the 2018 Wickersham piece. And that opened so many eyes to what was really going on because we never truly find out. I thought a piece like this, it would take months, if not a full year, for somebody to jump on a podcast, do an interview, and sit down and be like, no, this is how dysfunctional it is. We didn't even get through. It's a, The comp, conference championship, championship weekend, is tomorrow. Right. Um, but one, one of the uh, – they write as followed. One source described a typical training camp practice under McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, involving the installation of 25 pages worth of fresh run plays, another 25 of passing plays, upwards of 40 pages for the offensive line learning protection schemes. Under Patricia and Judge, those numbers were cut uh, cut by roughly half. Quote, a lot of guys were getting worried because when we were in the middle of camp, we were wondering what the plan was for our offense because we hadn't put enough installs in, a source said. We had a couple protections, a couple core run plays, but our pass game didn't have much in it. And it was so wildly obvious that they never had anything to go to. And the thing that was always so frustrating, and I'll pose this question to you guys, is that the thing that I think sets Mac Jones apart from the other quarterbacks around him is his ability to use his eyes and use his brain and figure out what he's going to do to have the autonomy to prevent something bad from happening before it happens and to make the adjustments at the line. And it really sounds like he was kind of handcuffed by two guys that weren't on his level. So I ask you guys, uh, we we discussed if it changed anything as far as your perception of how the season fell out. Did this article change your perception of the year Mac Jones had? Uh, for me, no. No. Not at all. Not at all. I, no, confirmed it. Yeah, so here's well, the thing. What did, in, what did in, it in the confirm, sense that it confirmed, Well, he, you knew that he was frustrated because mm-hmm. we heard all this stuff before the uh, during the season, you know, mouthing off to this guy, mouthing off to that guy, and now I'm seeing why it was. Why it was because he had a decent season his rookie year. He comes in this year, gets all the stuff thrown at him. Now we're getting quotes. Now we're seeing stuff from people saying, hey, this is why things were screwed up. So like I said, it just kind of confirmed that like, okay, so your frustrations are justified. And I think how how I looked at it. Okay. And I think for me, it's more so even that everybody knows to this point that I'm not a big Mac Jones guy regardless. So you can take what I say with a grain of salt. Fine. You can call me an idiot. Whatever. I don't care. Um I didn't think he was all that good to begin with anyways. And so this just showed to me. So you you talked about how Mac Jones using his head is like his biggest weapon. Well, if that was in fact the case, this season would have gone better for him. Because so if you're at the line of scrimmage and you're just you just need to sort out the protection. He can't even sort out the protection half the time. And and it didn't help that his offensive line was also well, really was gonna, bad. How do you sort out protection when when the guys that are blocking you don't know what the protection is because supposed he to be? He isn't even registering what he's seeing on the defensive side. So if you, in my opinion, if you're dumbing down the offense, it's pretty simplified. So now 
what that allows the quarterback or should allow the quarterback to do is set the protections and understand where the defense is going to be. Allow yourself, instead of bitching and moaning about the lack of creativity on the offense, allow yourself to understand defenses better. Why did Tom Brady get so good as he got later in the game? Because as he put it, he had the answers to the quiz. Start finding the answers to those quiz. Don't worry about the offensive play calling. Stop bitching and moaning about it and shooing off your offensive coordinator every five seconds. And instead understand how to read defenses. Patrick Mahomes has outright said this, that Bill Belichick made him a better quarterback because he forced him, instead of just playing football, to understand how a defense works and to read a defense and grow. And that's what Mac Jones refused to do. But you're asking for him to do all these things that the team around him was never capable of doing this year because they never this is had. Not, this is they not never a team had the, thing. This is an individual lesson. If, it's if, absolutely a team thing. For a quarterback. No, I'm talking as an individual player. For you to grow, there's certain things you can do at different positions, right? If you are a wide receiver, you're going to practice catching balls from the jugs machine at every different angle. We don't want Wiggy doing that. He'll just drop them all. Uh, only if, if they go high. If, if you're an if offense, they're over his head. Forget about it. If you're an offensive lineman, you need to be working in the gym. You need to be working on slide protections. You need to be working on, if you're a guard, pulling through the gaps. If you're a quarterback, you need to understand how to read a defense. He didn't do that because he wasn't even able to simply find hot routes half the time. But it would have made a difference because he only had 1.2 seconds to get the ball. It doesn't matter if he's that's got the, a hot route or that's not. That's the point of a hot route, though, is that if you under, if you know that pressure's coming, you have an immediate outlet. Ball in hands, ball out. Simple. So I throw to Kendrick Bourne, who's standing right next to John U. Smith, who's standing right next to Hunter Henry. The scheme was the my. The, this is why I I I really wanted to get your opinion on this because he was doomed to fail no matter what. This whole entire team was doomed See, to fail. I think and, that's oh, just wait, wait, wait. When you look at how well the offense looked down the stretch of the season when they actually, oh, I don't know, started implementing a play-action scheme because Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, and really, Joe Judge deserves so much more blame than he should have been getting. But those guys were finally able to go, oh, what a concept. This is how we run a play action. We can actually get chunk plays here. We're not calling 18 screen passes. We don't have we actually have a game plan when we are are up against a deficit in the game. We're not so predictable. And you could see the formulation of something down the stretch. The numbers are there for Mac Jones. He looks better. The offense looked more competent, and which is why it was so mind-numbing to go, man, Mac Jones actually looked good, but I still can't say that he had a significant win because he only seems to look good when they lose, which is what happened down the stretch for the entire season. And I, I think you need, I, I, at least from my perspective, when you look at when they utilized play action, do you do you remember the three teams that they utilized it against the most? Specifically, they ran a lot of play action in the Buffalo game. Bingo. Do you want to know why? Because why Buffalo's defense was unbelievably overrated. I said it on our show last Sunday prior to that Cincinnati-Buffalo game that Cincinnati had a chance to boat race Buffalo. What happens? Cincinnati boat races Buffalo because Buffalo's defense isn't all that good because they can't get pass rush, and their defensive backs were so banged up, they were on like their fourth safety or fifth safety, and their corners were not playing well at all. Trey Davis White was not classic Trey White. He just wasn't. And so... You look at that game, you look at the Miami game even, and then you look at that Minnesota game. Minnesota had the 32nd-ranked defense against the pass, and Mac Jones lit him up for 382 yards, as you should. That should be expected. And so I, I, don't, 
I, I think this is this. I think it's a foolish narrative to just read this piece and then immediately sympathize with Mac Jones because the, first of all, I was on Mac Jones' side long. I didn't no, 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 need I, this. I, I'm piece. not saying you in particular. I'm just saying the, the general you. And and because you need, I think you need to read between the tea leaves here. There is clearly a offensive player angle. To these quotes, because that's probably who the quotes are from. From offensive players pissed with coaches. And probably guys that like Mac. But also are guys that are probably not going to be here next year. Guys like... And probably guys that ran, you know, some semblance of a Shanahan system or mm, some of the some of the plays Kendrick, that Sean McVay... Kendrick Bourne just happened to be in the Shanahan system. Just a thought. <laughs> just just a, a thought. That one's just out there. Uh, the same guy, by the way, who in the middle of the season was also criticizing the protection of the offensive line and the inability to, quote, push the ball down the field. He called the team, the, the, the coaches out after the first Bills loss. Quote, it, yes. we need to scheme it better. It's, I don't... Oh, this I, is such a great piece. It, it, it really it. is. It's I look so at good. this and there's I, I, there's still so much we can get into here. Uh, 617-779-7937 if you want to get on and discuss it with us. Uh, we are here all the way up until 9, then Ken and Curtis will take over for the rest of your Saturday. I think they're on from what, 9 to, or nine to 1, 9 to I 1. believe. Uh, and so keep it locked right here. We're going to get you caught up with trending and we will be right back. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The Celtics will try to snap their three-game losing streak tonight against the Lakers. Marcus Smart won't play as he misses his fourth straight game with an ankle sprain. Anthony Davis is probable for tonight, while LeBron James is listed as questionable with left ankle soreness. 8.30 tip-off. Bruins also back in action tonight on the uh, on the first night of a back-to-back as they continue their five-game road trip against the Panthers. Puck drop for that one is at 6.00. According to Burt Breer, the Patriots will interview current Bills assistant Ryan Wendell to be their offensive line coach. Wendell played in New England for seven seasons and won a Super Bowl in 2015. The interview will take place in Vegas where the Pats coaching staff are for the Shrine Bowl. Patrick Mahomes will officially start for the Chiefs in the AFC Championship as he is dealing with a high ankle sprain. However, tight end Travis Kelsey was listed as questionable with a back injury. That oh uh, back. I wonder where that came from all of a sudden. Uh, the Bengals will have their top tight end, Hayden Hurst, but offensive lineman Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams are out, making it three missing starters on the offensive line. Honestly, Jonah Williams being out, probably not the worst thing in the world. In the NFC, Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel uh, don't have any injury designations for the 49ers, but running back Elijah Mitchell is questionable with a groin injury. WEI will have Westwood One's coverage of both championship games beginning at 2.30 following WEI Football Sunday tomorrow with Fitzy and Hart. And Boston going to be getting another pro team as the National Women's Soccer League will add three more teams to their league. The NWSL team in Boston will join at a later date while the other two added franchises in Utah and San Francisco are expected to join in 2024. I'm Chris Scheim. That's just trending. We will be back to the producer show in just a moment. This is the WEEI producer show right here on Boston Sports Original WEEI. Learning about gambling on professional wrestling. I yeah, we're trying to figure out. I, I, I'm unsure of this. If you know, please feel free to text in, tweet at us, uh, do whatever you can to get in touch. I'm looking through. Bill Spiros has done a great job covering um, legalized sports gambling in Massachusetts, and he has this giant Tuesday. List. 
of of sports that you can and can't probably bet on. I'm looking to see if pro wrestling is on here, and I can't find it. Granted, this list is very dense, so I would really have to scour through. Um, but I don't see it on here anywhere. So I'm conf- so I'm I- I'm curious. I don't How do you know. even bet on pro wrestling? Well, that's, that's my question, Joe Braverman. Good morning, sir. Uh, I I just fla- on Twitter it flashed by that there, you know the odds for. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know the guy's name. I'm like, what? What oh, the, at the Royal Rumble? Betting odds on the Royal Rumble. I mean, I'm not going to use the F word to describe it because it makes people crazy. But it is predetermined. So I don't know how you. I mean, unless it was like something you could do with your friends and sit down and and you know have friendly wagers. I don't know how you could actually find a legitimate sports book. I mean, and and, and place a bet on. You know, I want uh, Ric Flair for, you know, three to one or whatever. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's places you can find that. I mean, you can free, you can bet on just about anything. Now, I mean, you, you're going to be able to bet on floorball in Massachusetts. I don't even know what floorball is. You can bet on the World Disc Federation. I assume that's like uh, uh, disc golf. ultimate oh, disc uh, golf, maybe, disc or golf. ultimate frisbee. Yeah, one of the two. Oh, both. Oh, both. It's yeah. a federation. Maybe it's a said. combo. Yeah. He said it's, it's, a it's, federation. Like a, it's like a biathlon. Of uh, of disc games, but uh, we've been talking all morning. Sorry, a quick tangent for you. We've been talking all morning I was about very the, curious about this. <laughs> about the Herald article on the New England Patriots and kind of how it uh, affected your outlook on everything. Uh, and I was curious, Ryan, in the break yes. you mentioned we didn't get to talk about last Sunday because it hadn't been officially announced yet or even rumored to be announced uh, that Bill O'Brien. Billy is now, in fact, the Patriots' uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, which means Joe Judge is no longer in the role he was in, but according to Burt Breer, will be on the team somewhere. And then Matt Patricia may also have a role. It's kind of unclear exactly where or what he's going to be doing, but he, again, won't be, at least with the offensive coordinator, play calling, quarterbacks Mm -hmm. of any kind. So do you also find it odd timing-wise, either of you, that Bill O'Brien happens to get announced as the offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach right around the exact same time this article drops? Um, No, I don't... I wouldn't say it's odd. I think if I'm Joe Judge or Matt Patricia, and again, I... We spent a lot of the season really pointing the finger at Matt Patricia specifically because he was the one with the, the Denny's place. menu in his hand. Yep. Um, and I, I feel I like Joe Judge escaped to the point where I, you know, I think I said towards the uh, the the bottom portion of the season, like, why isn't Joe Judge calling plays? Why isn't he getting an opportunity? We know that Matt Patricia can't do it. Why isn't Nick Cayley? Why is I think those words came out of my mouth. Why isn't Joe Judge getting an opportunity to call plays? And now I figured it out. Um, <laughs> so as far as how it ties into Bill O'Brien, I just think it's sort of an unfortunate coincidence uh, in, in that sense. And yeah, I, I also Burt Breer said that you know he is Joe Judge is expected to be back in 2023, and I don't know how that's going to work. I think it's kind of peculiar that if your quarterback one I mean, that we're assuming quarterback one, you're right. Bill Belichick had every opportunity to say Max our guy, Max our starter, and said we get the back channel. Ah, no, they like him. They like him. Oh, really? Because I think there's a difference between saying. I like this guy. He's our quarterback, and he has the ability to play quarterback in the NFL, which is such a gross cop-out for what you put that kid through this season, Coach Belichick. I can't even believe you would sit there with a straight face and say it. Um, 
I don't know how you keep Joe Judge in this program when the quote was, Mac doesn't like him at all, end quote. How, how do you walk through a building with a guy like that that you're so diametrically opposed to that you don't want anything to do with? And, hey, what's up, Joe? What's up, Coach? How was your off season? We're just going to water under the bridge? I think they just checked out on Joe Judge because Joe Judge is the loudmouth guy. Right. You know so you just I mean? tune him out. So they just tune him out. So they're thinking like, why am I going to listen? No one listens to me. Why am I? <laughs> why am I going to listen to this Figured guy? So at least with Bill O'Brien, and Bill O'Brien will be another guy who yells. Yep. But Bill O'Brien has a lot more on his resume that you're willing to listen to as opposed to Joe Judge. It's the it's substance. Easy, it's very easy, right? Exactly. It's very easy to check out on the guy who's the loud guy who thinks he's right just because he's loud. Quote, Judge would speak extra loudly in meetings trying to project like he was the guy, and I think that kind of rubbed people the wrong it way. Does. It's, 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 it does. right now. Loud noises. Right. It's the rah-rah guy. The rah-rah guy only gets you so far, and people weren't buying into it, so that's why it was easy for players, especially Mac Jones, to check out on him. People, and you bring in a guy like Bill O'Brien, like, all right, he's going to be loud, but you're going to, you're no way you're not going to be glued to what he's telling you. Yeah, and Billy O's. Billy oh, is really only loud in spots morning, too. Like he picks his spots to be loud. Exactly, he's gonna get pissed about certain things, and that's when he'll get loud. But normally, he's just a normal guy because he's you know a, a well-adjusted human being. It's just this whole thing for me is just wild. I, I agree, it's weird that they're not going to um, push out Matt Patricia or Joe Judge at all. But to me, that just screams that it's because they're Bills guys. And Bill likes them more than <laughs> likes yeah. Mac Jones. I, I, favors. Don't, don't you think Bill feels, res, as he should, feels responsible for basically every word that is written in this article? 100%. He's got to look at this and go, wow. When you, re, when you really kind of put it in chronological order, I mean, I, I want to believe that Bill has enough self-awareness to know, like, this is absolutely what was being said. Like, none of this should shock him none of this should really shock anybody that was involved in from from the inside i mean like there shouldn't be any hurt feelings there shouldn't be any kind of i can't believe you would go to the meet like it was that bad and i i it's refreshing that they were you know willing to come forward and talk about this i saw so much karen and andrew callahan got so much slack because it's unnamed sources and you guys you guys better ask who their sources are. It's like, do you understand how this works? Like, first of all, it's not like they just found one piece of it and went, oh, one person said that Joe Judge was being loud and obnoxious, so we're just going to run and print that. No, actually, the way it works, if I can give you a little free journalism 101 lesson, is when you find one thing, you go, okay, let's corroborate that with another person. Okay, two people are saying that. Can I get three? Do I hear four? Do I hear four? Go on, let's go twice, go on three times. Sold! We got five people saying that Joe Judge is a knob and doesn't know what he's talking about. Print it! The the people who say that this is like, oh, anonymous sources, I don't believe it, fake news, they're clearly not reading it because in it, it specifically says one guy that played in the Shanahan system. So for those who aren't able to, uh, you know, in, in, to figure out things on context clues. That means it's a player, a guy who played the sport, mm-hmm. a guy who's on the team. This isn't Hand ben, in the dirt. This isn't Ben Volan getting a DM from some guy in the ticket claiming to be in the ticket office. This is a player that they face to face spoke with and told them these things. And not just one player, multiple players. So many sources. Just because they aren't named doesn't mean that they aren't identifying who they are. Right. Hey, so-and-so said this. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so said about X, Y, and Z? 
What do you think about that? You can, and you, that's how you easily build up multiple sources. You can generally uh, take educated guesses on all of these sources. And if you do, if you understand that and you use context clues, you can figure out that they're actually prominent players on this team. Guy that played in the Kyle Shanahan system. I'm going to take a stab and say it might be Kendrick Bourne. Probably. Because he's already spoken out publicly against it. I bet he doesn't have a problem saying something to Andrew or Karen. Uh, the guy that says, I love Bill, but he effed us, is a guy that's entrenched in the system and loves Bill Belichick, but also feels screwed over. I don't know, maybe David Andrews? That feels like he's he's the biggest Patriot guy there is, and yet I can understand why he would feel he they effed, he, Bill screwed them over. It screwed him up. And, and so all you people out there who are just like, yeah, fake news, these are anonymous reports, you guys are just making up stories. No, no, we're not. These are well-sourced, well-done, documented timelines. You are fake news. The National huh. Sports Writer of the Year. National, say that again. National Sports Writer of the Year, Karen Garigian. Like, this isn't like... You know, we're, we're, we're trying to for how long? bury people for the sake of burying people. Like they're just good reporters. Uh, another thing that we were getting a lot of towards the end of the discussion when the story came out on Thursday was like, "Oh, what's the big deal? Well, you guys are trying to make this into something that it's not. What's the wreckage to pick through? They won eight games, yeah." And I still come back to, "Good lord, this team won." eight games so with a minor tweak like oh i don't know getting rid of a guy who who is all over your quarterback and just making it impossible to function you replace that guy with bill o'brien and who knows you might be back in double digit territory but i would say to the people that don't think it's a big deal because they won eight games did you watch the games i know it's sort of a flippant question but if you watch the games and you you saw how messy it looked you know even in the games where I thought their offense was starting to put it together, like th- there's still a long ways to go, and you can see the semblance. The, the team did have talent, but my God, if you watched it, you would understand how much of a slog it was week after week. Like This season was exhausting to cover. It was exhausting to watch these games. So it should come as no surprise that this was the result and in, in the outcome of it. So to say that, oh, it's not a big deal because they won eight games. No, it's absolutely a big deal because they won eight games. And they wasted such a good defense. Like, we all saw that the way that defense played. That, they could, they th- th- those 11 seven players touch, or six or seven touchdowns this year. They were so good. Kyle Duggar was awesome this year. Matt Judon, again, was good for you know the first half of the season. He was but still good it, in the second half, but it not led to the emergence of how good Josh Uche ended up playing exactly. Down the and 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 you saw kind of the evolution. Jonathan Jones, I think, played underratedly well for this team in a lot of in a lot of spots. And so, uh, it's it's crazy to me. And I. I it's so hard because, yes, this article focuses on the offense, but we've also seen, like, Jack Jones, like, outright defying Bill Belichick. And it's – I don't know what's going on here. I feel like we are devolving into teams we would always mock and teams we would always point the finger and go, they're never going to win now, that, And that would never happen we've here. Become, we've become the team that goes, oh, we'll wait for them to make a mistake. Yeah. That's how the Patriots were so successful so long. It's like we await a team out, they'll make a mistake, and the Patriots this season were that team. Yeah, now they're the ones making the mistakes left and right, and it's and the division in the locker room between the coaches and the players, it just it is uh this is something we have not seen in well over twenty two years, probably longer. And you mentioned Jack Jones. I mean, 
Look, and I, I, I don't know him from anybody, but one thing that you could point to, I'm not saying I am, but you could point to, like, okay, maybe not great that you're firing back at your head coach like that, but based on where they were in the season, is it difficult to understand why tension was really high and people were frustrated? Absolutely not. I know this, like you said, Sean, this was focused more on what was wrong on the offensive side of the ball, but there's still half a locker room that's going to sit and go through that too. It has to deal with the with the stress of, oh my God, we have to play flawlessly. And if we don't, we're not going to win the game. Like right, but- I, I, I would hate to have to go through my day-to-day as a defensive football player knowing, oh, my God, it's like we're being set up to fail because this offense. I think at one point in the article, um, quote, sometimes I would wonder, like, are we trying to screw this up on purpose? <laughs> like, that was the feeling. So I kind of empathize with Jack Jones being like, you know what? Now I let you know, coach, I can't deal with this anymore. And I need to get away from this team. And I'm not going to. I'm, I'm a professional, man. I don't care if I'm a rookie. You can't keep doing this to us. Like, I, I kind of empathize more with him for firing back and losing his you-know-what. Does this spell like the end of Belichick? Like, is this just one of the signs that point towards Bill just might be done? Whether it's his inability to do it or his inability to connect with the players properly or just this strain of being the head coach of a team as dysfunctional as this? I just think it's something where he's at an age now where he thinks he can kind of come off the gas a little bit on what he's done and be able to put it on to other guys to figure it out. And I just think he chose the wrong guys this season to do that. Yeah. So I think, you know, let's see what Bill O'Brien can do this year and next year. And then I think it's safe to say, like, all right, maybe he might have lost his fastball. fastball. But I think that's what happened this year. He's like, all right, I'm getting a little old. I still want to do this. He's chasing a record. He wants to be successful. Let me bring these guys in, and maybe they could take a little off my plate. You just picked the wrong guys to do it. Very much. I, the worst possible guys. Right. I See, I my my... The the one thought I had when the season was over and they were wrapping up that last game in Buffalo, I I actually thought like, oh, the Patriot way is dead. Oh, this yeah. can't work now. However, and I I like the way you phrase that as far as you know is 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 this sort of the end for Bill Belichick? Had I not read what I read in this about six pages, I I would have still thought, yeah, I don't know if this is the right idea, but based on what they were trying to do in C and look, the mistakes were made and I don't, and I, he actually, I remember when Bill came on with you guys and, and I think the question was asked, like, why not make the change now? And his answer was something to the effect of, well, it would be too hard to make a, a change that is that dramatic, which is both. And look, it's just my ignorance of, of how you put together a professional football program. Maybe it is too hard to make that change right now. I don't know. But the point is, when you read this, it seems like changes were willing to be made. Like, okay, Joe Judge is ruining everything. We, he, he goes and he talks to positions, and then the, the coaches have to come in and go, what? he said, what? No, 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 he's a freaking idiot. Don't listen to him. So they were trying to phase him out. Going for and, and uh, Jeff Howe had this tweet the other day that really kind of reinvigorated my faith in Bill Belichick. He said, New offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien almost certainly won't be the only addition to the Patriots coaching staff. It sounds like O'Brien will have input in more additions on offense. And that makes me feel pretty good to know that Bill Belichick is like, okay, I know at the point I'm at in my career, I need 
competent people around me. And I did not necessarily surround myself with the best people. Or I might have had people like maybe Matt Patricia and Joe Judge could work somewhere else, just not in the capacity that they are in. They're not capable like of doing Like Joe Judge it. needs to go back to special teams coordinator. Cam Accord seems like a nice guy. Stinks at his Let job. Let Matt Patricia go and, and sit up in Ernie Adams' office with Evan Rothstein and those guys and crunch numbers and figure out how to build a, a, about 50, the buffet a good table. 53-man roster. But when I see that it looks like Bill O'Brien is going to have a little more autonomy and the ability to run an offense the way how he wants to run an offense, that makes me feel really good. All I've heard is it's Bill Belichick. Mike Lombardi, this time last year, said, listen, whoever comes in, it's going to be Bill Belichick's offense. Nobody comes in here and runs their own offense. That's ridiculous. They all answer Bill Belichick. Wrong. Well, guess what? It sounds like Lombardi and everybody else that's like in Bill we trust no matter how bad it is. Bill Belichick realizes the errors of his ways and grabbed Bill O'Brien to fix this offense. So Bill Bill Belichick can just kind of oversee things and let this offense develop the way it can by a guy who knows how to build offenses. Yeah, because clearly I don't think Bill knows how to do that. It, to me, it feels like Bill has like a binder that has a du- bunch of dust on it back from when he and Charlie Weiss first put together the offense. And so he just tosses it. He just tossed it at Matt and Joe. I was like, here you go. Figure this it is, out. This is the Bill Belichick offensive playbook. And then during the season, his specialty has never been offense. Like, and so he's back? not able to help them adjust the way he would be able to help Steven Gerrard adjust the defense. And so I think that's why you saw it continue to snowball because there was no point in time where Belichick could simply just step in and do it himself. He just that's just not his forte. Instead, he is a head coach and he's a defensive coach. That is those are the things he uh, excels at whereas offensively he's just you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. It's like you would never want to say that he punted this year, right? That's that's you can't really. No, that's I don't a think... terrible thing to say, but do you think he had in the back of his mind, let me just get through the year with these guys knowing that he can get Bill O'Brien? 100%. Because it, 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 and it didn't make any sense to me that Nick Cayley was on the staff, is now being interviewed for offensive coordinator positions, but at no point in time when you saw the dysfunction of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia did you ever even consider Nick Cayley. That, to me, was the one thing that I thought was a major, major miss by Bill. 617-779-7937 right here on the WEI Producer Show. We're going to get you a nice little quick preview of Championship Sunday in the NFL coming up next. This is the WEI producer show right here on Boston Sports Original WEI. Chris Shine, Ryan Garvin, Billy Landy with you. Joe Braverman behind the glass doing an exceptional job as always. Thank you, Joe. Uh, let's get, before we get to our preview of Championship Sunday, let's get to the uh, phones. Mike at Framingham's been hanging on. Mike, what's up? Hey, hey Shane, you got to do me a favor. Talk to Wiggy on Monday. Ask him when his kids were nine years old if they had a youth coach. That was just ran zeros all the time with no install. And then when the kids asked him a question about like what pass protecting stuff, they, they, they was like, oh yeah, we'll get to it. Even at the youth level, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that an NFL team that does that. Yeah, it is. It is insane that that is an NFL caliber team. Thank you, Mike. Uh, that would have. A guy would stand up in a meeting and be like, Coach, so if the defense does this, what do we do? I, I have it I have it right here. A lot of guys would ask, Well, what's going to happen if the defense does this? And you would see they hadn't really accounted for that yet, one source said. And they'd say, We'll get to it. 
Uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. That type of attitude got us in trouble. We'll get to that when we get to that. Like, we'll we'll cross on. that bridge. Like, what do you mean we'll get to, we're going to get to that when the 320-pound linebacker is going to come and take my head off? Right, you expect us. To, you that. expect us to just get it when when it's game game speed yeah, going on, not let alone practice. Uh, what do we do if Von Miller comes off the edge here? What's my hot route? Uh, uh, we'll figure get it to it. You'll oh, figure it out. You're Lord. a pro. You'll figure it out. You've seen the film on him. You got this. <laughs> yeah, you understand. Oh my god. And go. Uh, so we got our final two uh, games. Well, two of the final three games left in the NFL season last tomorrow. One's the Super Bowl. Yeah, the last one's the Super Bowl. So tomorrow's championship Sunday in the NFL. 49ers traveling to Philly to take on the Eagles and Cincinnati traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Uh, let's start with the 49ers-Eagles game. Either of you have a, a pick you like in this game? You, you got a team you're just rooting for? Uh, or you betting the house on somebody? Where you're at in this game? If I'm betting the house, I'm betting on Philadelphia. Ooh, dog. Yeah, I think they're just, they're just a, tr- they're a beast right now. It's going to be tough to top them. And, you know, uh, San Francisco's got... Running backs hurt. I think uh, Deb- Debo Samuel is a little dinged up. I, th- I think. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think this is Philly's year. I think they win pretty easily on Sunday. I actually have the 49ers winning this game. Love it. Uh, okay. I think if Good. There, if there was a defense out there that was going to stop what Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and, and AJ Brown were doing, I think it's this uh, this 49ers group. I, I think uh, Nick Bosa has been phenomenal. As always, I think Fred Fred Warner. Fred like Warner is the best linebacker in football. Freaking plays even, in that game last he was, week. Fred Warner is so good. He went down the seam with a, like a wider with Brandon Ayuk, step for step, and then broke up the pass. It was that that. Thank you for reminding. Again, that was just one of the many many plays that Fred Warner had. He's so I think good. I, I think if the Brock Purdy led 49ers can keep up with the point onslaught that I'm sure we will see from the Eagles. I think that they. That defense is good enough to make a couple plays just to keep it on the 49ers side. Yeah, for me, this game kind of boils down to Kyle Shanahan versus Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. Theoretically, the Eagles like to play just this sit-back zone defense. Their corners are unbelievably talented. They have an amazing pass rush, and they dare you to run the football. We've seen Kyle Shanahan before in an NFC Championship game have Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball seven times and not be afraid to run it 40-plus times in a game Mm -hmm. because he knew he could. This is another opportunity for that, and I'm curious if he does that or if he puts more on Brock Purdy's plate because I think in a game like this, it is going to be a run-dominant game uh the philadelphia eagles the the run option that they have with miles sanders or kenny gainwell and jalen hurts is going to be massive san francisco historically has not been great against running quarterbacks the way this defense is is kind of uh assembled uh D'Amico ryan's is is phenomenal i love what he does but uh against justin fields jalen hurts in the past they haven't been great so i like jalen hurts if you're betting anything tomorrow the jalen hurts rushing prop is like 46 and a half uh, I love, love, love the over. I think J- there's a chance Jalen Hurts runs for 100 yards uh, in the game tomorrow. Like I, I, His anytime touchdown is like plus 115 as well. I love that. That's too low. Um, so yeah, I've seen 46 and a half right yeah, now. I am big, 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 big on Jalen Hurts' running tomorrow uh, against the 49ers. Let's uh, move to the later game here before we get out of here. Cincinnati at the Chiefs. Bengals and Chiefs. Burrow, Mahomes, what do you got? 
I so badly want to see the Bengals lose this game. Really? I, I am so... You know why? Because, like, it's not enough that I like Joe Burrow. I have to love him. I have to think he is the greatest thing ever. You don't have and to I, do no, 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 Shime. You don't understand the fanaticism behind Joey franchise, behind Joe Cool. It's obnoxious, and I'm tired of it. I had predicted a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl rematch uh, probably halfway through the season, not to mention the freaking mayor of Cincinnati comes oh, out. I love with that. that. Better oh, send those God. refunds. Uh, I heard you play that on your per- show yesterday. Oh, we need a paternity <laughs> test to see if Joe Burrow is the father of shut that up and good. keep the roads clean and paved. I hate that cute fun nonsense. It makes me sick. I hope the Chiefs win by seven touchdowns. Oh, Jesus. I was, I'm, I'm his team Chiefs. I'm team Chiefs in this oh, one. God. I think... Um, you know, the um, the Bengals got to the Chiefs in the second half, you know, shook uh, Mahomes up a little bit. Ankle injury, they might go after him, but I, th- I see Mahomes still slinging it. And Ryan's take right there just kind of made me really <laughs> dislike the ball because all I thought about, all I thought so about was the, the annoying gif of Joe Burrow trying to pull off the fact that he wants us to believe that he knows how to smoke a cigar, that he's yeah. completely, that that's <laughs> just a completely yeah. natural way to sit and relax and smoke Give a cigar. Give that back to your uncle. He's yeah, going exactly. to be so cross when he sees that you I was, took a cigar. I was team Chiefs to begin with. Ryan cemented it. Oh, God. All right, that's fine. I'll be alone on the Bengals here. I am on the okay, Bengals. If there's, everybody knows I hate Mac Jones. If there's anybody in football I dislike more than Mac Jones, it's Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. So <laughs> give me Burrow versus Jalen Hurts, the two coolest quarterbacks in all of football uh, in the Super Bowl. That'll do it for us here on the WEI Producer Show. Thank you so much for tuning in on the text line, calling in all of the above. Make sure to tune in next Saturday, 8 a.m. We will be back here for another hour and keep it locked right here on Boston Sports Original WEI. Ken and Curtis, got you next. Well.